The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. When seeking advice, it's always best to seek it from an expert. No one's more qualified uh, than Paul to give advice uh, to preachers. It's this challenge to Timothy. We find much spiritual meat for our call to service, as uh, those have been called in the ministry. And many equate success today with large crowds and huge buildings and varied degrees of recognition. And Jesus, on the other hand, equates success with obedience. And Jesus equates it with service. And uh, he equates it with things that we don't equate success to. And uh, to be successful as a preacher, it does not uh, demand that you have more people than your neighbor. It does, it does demand, however, that you be obedient to the Lord, that you are a servant to those who are around you. And with these, with these things in mind tonight, let's look at the Word of God in this passage of Scripture. And I want to see some things that are marks of a man that's called the preaching in the ministry. And, and the first thing I believe is what we see here in this passage is we see, number one, a message. We see a message, a message uh, that Paul is uh, exhorting, uh, charging, giving uh, uh, care to to a, a younger man who's got the call to preach. And uh, he's saying, I, I want to give you uh, something. I want to hand something to you and not necessarily my heritage or the way I do things or the way I did things or all these things that are about me and uh, that have been unique to me. He's not so much passing that on as much as he's passing on something that is unchangeable. Do we not believe that about the Word of God? It never changes. Uh, Like God, it's the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. It's an eternal book. It's a living, breathing, inspired Word. Aren't you glad that God has preserved it for us, that that we possess it, that we didn't lose anything, that uh, we have the very Word of God in our laps tonight? That's a privilege that we ought not to take for granted. And Paul was reminding uh, this young man that the most important thing was not going to be his ministry. The most important thing was not going to be the kind of person that he was or, or, or all the things that he did. The most important thing was the Word of God. And the Word of God must be preeminent. The Word of God must be at the top. The Word of God must be our focus. It, uh, Jesus told us that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The Word of God's important as uh, we understand the problem uh, with the churches uh, in our country today is that we're running from the Word of God to other things, to other methods, to other mandates, to other missions, to other mentalities. And we're losing, if you would, the reason why God has called us uh, into ministry. God calls preachers into the gospel ministry to preach the Word of God. That's the reason why he calls men. He doesn't call men to, uh, to spout off their opinions. We've got plenty of people that do that, and everybody's got an opinion today. Uh, the truth is that my opinion is no greater than your opinion, but the Word of God is greater than all of our opinions tonight. God's Word is true. Uh, God's Word is pure. Uh, as I'm reminded, Psalm 19, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Hey, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Hey, listen, the Word of God is precious, and the message that we have is precious, and it's something that uh, we need to uh, uh, make more of and have more of emphasis on. Often, uh, when you think of the ministry of preachers, the, the emphasis is more on the preach than it is on the Word. 
In other words, uh, it's more on uh, the way that I carry the message or, or the personality behind the message or uh, the uh, char- charisma of the man uh, with the message that it is actually the Word. Hey, listen, the Word is what feeds the flock that is among us. The Word of God is, is paramount. The Word of God is of most importance. And uh, not only does uh, he me- mention this message, but he mentions the Word and how it relates to preaching. He talks about the content of it. He says, preach the word. The word will stand when the world is on fire. You know, always stick with the book. Don't, don't major on minors and never uh, preach pin, uh, opinion as a word uh, from God. The Bible will never fail you. And uh, be, we, beware, hey church, that we don't fail the Bible. Uh, as I mentioned this morning, the grace of God's never failed anybody. But Hebrews 4 tells us is that man has failed the grace of God. That we fail God's grace, but God's grace never fails us. Uh, That we turn God's grace to something that it's not, but God's grace turns us into something we never could even imagine to be. And what does God's grace teach us? The the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us what? To deny ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. And that's what God has called us to do. It's a message, and he mentions the content of the message should be the word. Not only the content of it, but the character of it. Notice he says, be instant. Not only preach the word, but to be instant, to be at hand, to be ready. You should always have something cooking. You should always have something at hand to always be ready to give an answer. Hey, listen, uh, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. I, I don't know about you, but when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. Temptation is something. Lust is something we all face. And you know what we need to have ready at hand when temptation comes to us? The very same thing that the Lord Jesus Christ had ready at hand when temptation faced him. Uh, what did Jesus combat temptation with? The Word of God. Hey, listen, it's not by tricks and it's not by charisma and it's not by uh, the way we do things uh, that we're going to be able to combat the wiles of the devil. It's by submitting ourselves to God. It's by uh, resisting the devil through the Word of God. And we understand that uh, much resisting can be done in the flesh, but it all fails. But the greatest resistance that we can uh, do against uh, the wiles of the devil is by uh, using the very Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the Bible calls it, which is the Word of God. We need to be diligent students of the Word of God. Nothing should replace our study to show ourselves approved unto God. You'll be glad you did if you study God's Word, and so will everyone that hears you. They'll be glad that you studied God's Word. Listen, uh, preachers that preach their opinion are a dime a dozen, but there's not uh, too many today. I'm glad for the, as many as that there are, but we need more men that will stand behind pulpits and preach the Word, what God's Word actually says. We see the the content here uh, of the message and the character of the message. Notice he he says, be instant. It has a sense of urgency to it. Our message is vital. It should be preached with vitality. That's life and urgency. That means there's an emergency. There's a reason why we're doing what we're doing. There's no Sunday that comes up where I have opportunity to preach and I think, oh, it doesn't really matter what I say this morning. The truth is that every time God gives us an opportunity to open up our mouths and preach the word, hey, there's a life that could be saved. There's a a life that could be touched. And as I think of uh, Spurgeon's call to uh, salvation as God saved him, he he wandered into a small church on on a wintry night where no preachers uh, uh, got up or showed up to preach, and yet there was a man that was faithful and got up and just preached the text, and, and he came to Christ as a result of somebody just preaching the word. 
Sometimes we think that what we're doing is so insignificant. Oh, we don't have the crowds we like or the size of ministry we like or the uh, popularity that we like. But the truth is, uh, Paul's saying that's not the focus at all. The focus is that God gives you a place and God gives you a people and God gives you a church. Preach the word and be instant in it. Notice not only his preaching but his passion. And he, he talks about reproving and exhorting Reproving means he exposes sin. That's what it means to reprove, to convict, to rebuke, to charge sharply, to warn, to never be afraid to preach against sin. Boy, that's uh, something that's difficult for us as human beings. Because sometimes we, we fear to preach against things. Uh, that the Bible condemns. It says uh, they're wrong. By the way, there are uh, many things in God's word that God calls sin, and we ought to continue to call them sin because sin, when it's finished in people's lives, brings forth death. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing the casualties. We don't need any more. And sin destroys uh, everyone uh, when they don't allow and yield it to God. All of us struggle with our flesh. All of us struggle with sin. And boy, as much as we think we're in control, you never control sin. It always controls you. And we've got to give it to God. And he exposes sin in reproving. Not only does he do that uh, in reproving, but he encourages saints in exhorting. Notice he not only says in verse 2 to reprove, but he also says to exhort. He says to call to one side. When we preach, we're to thunder against sin. We're to encourage and comfort, people of, encourage and comfort the people of God. We do this not by our intellect or are great swelling words of wisdom, but we do it by simply taking the word of God and pointing people to the biblical solution of their problem. Boy, there's nothing more encouraging than knowing that we can trust God's word and know that it works. Doctrine, he says, in true Bible preaching, there's always explanation and application if God's word is preached. Notice he says uh, about his preaching and his passion, but also his patience and in verse number two, verses two through four, he talks about the attitude of the people. You know, there's always going to be those who reject the message. There's always going to be uh, the snarky uh, one. There's always going to be the scorner. There's always going to be someone that doesn't really care or maybe is complacent. But what I have to remind myself sometimes as a pastor is I sometimes focus on that rather than focus on the people who are listening. Sometimes we're we're called to. You know, the one, sometimes the boo in the crowd is, seems to be a lot louder than all the cheers. Isn't that the truth? And uh, I was reminded in Bible college, a professor told us the man of God is never untroubled nor unopposed. We understand that when we try to do what's right, there's always opposition. When you speak uh, the truth, and even if it's done in love, uh, listen, there's people that oppose the truth in love as well. And that they don't want to hear it. There's an attitude sometimes from people, if you preach the word of God, do not be surprised if there are those who walk away from you or try to walk over you. Not everyone loves preaching. You know, uh, there's an attitude of the people, but there's also the attitude of the preacher that he mentions. He doesn't just say to do it, but he says to do it with, in verse number two, long-suffering. Boy, that's an attitude that changes things, isn't it? Uh, The Bible tells us that Charity suffereth long and is kind. You know, true love, godly love, and I'm glad that the Bible uses the word charity because I I said this this morning in our adult classes that sometimes we get the word mixed up because we think of our love when we think of the word love, but God says his love, charity, agape, love, his kind of love, it suffers long, it's kind. 
You know, uh, the attitude of the preacher should be one of long-suffering, one of patience. You know, uh, sometimes uh, preachers preach to people who determine the size of their paycheck or the size of their home or the model of their automobile. And the Bible tells us that we ought to do it with patience. How do you face people week after week who are against your ministry? With patience, with long-suffering, with love. And if they hate you, you love them. If they attack you, you love them. If they turn on you, you love them. And regardless of what the congregation does, you just love them. And you be an example of steadfastness and consistency. You keep on preaching the word and you stay by the stuff as God's called you to, to be instant in season and out of season. See, the attitude of the people should not adjust the attitude of the preacher. The attitude of the preacher should be one of long-suffering and of love. Not only do I see, number one, that uh, uh, Paul uh, emphasizes a message, but number two, he emphasizes a mission. A mission. The goal, the God-called preacher is a man on a mission. Verse 5 tells us that he watches. The wise preacher is an observer. You can't uh, be a preacher and not be observant. You have to be. Uh, God calls us to be observant. He's sober. He's serious-minded. He's patient. He learns from all that goes on around him. Most importantly, his eyes are not so much on other people as they are on himself. Sometimes for the sake of looking at everyone else in their lives, we miss ourselves, don't we? We look at everyone else and where they're failing, but we miss where we're failing. Sometimes uh, the greatest messages uh, that I've preached have been the ones that I've had to preach to myself. Sometimes people forget that before a pastor gets up to preach a message, that message has to go through his own head and heart first. And we need to examine ourselves The Bible says he watches, most importantly, he watches himself. He watches his sheep for danger both within and without. Not only does he watch, but he works. Look at verse number 5, the Bible says, But watch thou in all things, and do the work. He tells them to watch, but he tells them to work. You know, contrary to popular opinion, the preacher does work more than one hour per week. It's a job, and boy, people can be an endless job. A tireless job and sometimes the care of the people. You don't shut your mind off to other people's cares as much as some people feel better when they share all their burdens with you. Who do you share all their burdens with? Sometimes uh, the, the most difficult thing is, is realizing that you were never intended to bear their burdens, but you were intended to take their burdens to the Lord. Sometimes we take on burdens we cannot bear and then we try to bear them alone. The work Notice, in the work, he endures suffering. He says, endure afflictions. The godly preacher pays a price for the privilege of ministry. He prays, he studies, he preaches, he sacrifices, he he weathers the storms and the attacks, all the while finding food for the sheep. He faces the same difficulties and problems that every other member of the congregation faces, and at the same time, he helps them bear their burdens. It's not an easy life, and if you're not truly called, then the best thing you can do is not do it. Because the only thing that will keep a man in his calling is a call, and a call of God. And as uh, Pastor Andy mentioned tonight, as uh, I battled and wrestled with God's call on my life, uh, the one thing I couldn't get away from is, what would I do if I didn't do what God wanted me to do? I had to get to the place to where I literally told God, either it's your way or the end of my life. I don't want to live any other way but your way. 
And I won't do anything else but what you want me to do. And by the way, it doesn't matter whether you've been called to the gospel ministry or you've been called to the position that you are in tonight. All of us should have that mindset. That we want God's way. That we're surrendered to God. Surrender is not just for gospel ministry. Surrender should be something that's in the life of every disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot be a disciple if you don't take up your cross and follow Him. There's a cross to bear, isn't it? The cross speaks of suffering, and as we understand with Paul, he said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. There's nothing that binds a group of people more together than suffering together. Sometimes, I mean, as much as I hate the memories of suffering in my life, and I don't think I've suffered, especially as I read the biographies of others that have truly suffered for the Lord Jesus Christ, boy, what I understand is the hard times is brought us together, made it difficult. Boy, as a church, sometimes we face financial difficulty. As a church, sometimes we face health uh, problems. As a church, sometimes we face uh, things that are insurmountable. But listen, a church that stays together and prays together and suffers together, hey, listen, uh, God does a wonderful miracle with, you know, fully on the crowd that only wants to be at the church when it's the big time and the fun time and the happy time and the, and the prosperous time and nobody wants to pay the price anymore. He endures suffering. He not only endures suffering, but he evangelizes sinners. Do the work of an evangelist, the Bible says. Surely the call of an evangelist is to evangelism. Uh, many think the call to evangelism is to uh, correct all the problems within a church, but the truth that the call to evangelism is, is a call to evangelize sinners. The preacher is constantly about the business of sharing the gospel. He does this on a personal level as well as a public level. He strives to fulfill the Great Commission. Not only does he watch and he works, but he also witnesses. Look at it. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. He declares the validity of his calling and ministry by the faith he practices before God and the life he lives before men. The preacher must never forget that others are looking at him. He must never fear because the fear of man brings a snare. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because if the Lord has called him, he will equip him. The Bible's, uh, the Bible's uh, promises of this. Not only do we see a message and a mission, but lastly tonight, we see a ministry. A ministry. Look at verse number 6. Paul, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes back in testimony to his own ministry. And he tells, he gives a charge and command about the message. He gives a charge and command about the mission. And then he gives a personal testimony about his ministry. He talks about being a fighter. Notice verse number 7, I have fought a good fight. The Bible calls every uh, God-called man into ministry to be not a brawler. But he also simultaneously calls him to earnestly contend for the faith. In other words, we have to pick our fights, don't we? And we have to recognize who our adversary is. Come on, are you with me tonight? How many know that you've been distracted sometimes in fights you shouldn't be fighting and missing the one you should be fighting? 
Sometimes we do that. We'd rather do the fleshly battling. We'd rather do the human uh, uh, warring. We'd rather uh, go toe-to-toe with a human person. But uh, sometimes, boy, the work that we're, uh, the greatest work that we're called to do is get on our knees and and to to go uh, to spiritual warfare. I believe Paul uh, prayed for the churches. He prayed uh, for uh, the saints. He he brought their cares before God. He, He fought the good fight. He was a fighter. The man of God is to be a fighter, is to stand up boldly for the truth, and, and at the same time, is to stand boldly against evil. You must remember that our fight is never to be with people, not with deacons or congregations or other pastors or preachers, but our fight is with the devil and his demons. That's our fight. Can I tell you tonight that that's enough fight for all of us, that we shouldn't have time to fight each other? I said we shouldn't have time to fight each other. But for people who are so busy, sometimes we find enough uh, time to be busy bodies in other people's business and we find time to be judge of other men's ministries. We find time to, uh, to, to pass judgment where God has not given us jurisdiction. I've got enough on my plate in being a husband and being a father and being a pastor tonight. I don't have time for those battles, those fights. He's a fighter. Not only is he a fighter, but he's a finisher. Notice he says in... Verse number seven, I've fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. To bring to absolute completion, the word finished. Paul's telling us that he left nothing undone that he'd been assigned to do. Sometimes we want another assignment. Sometimes we want God to give us a different assignment. But God has given us assignments in our life, hasn't he? I believe God-called roles don't conflict, they complement. I don't have to choose tonight between being a good husband and a good father and a good pastor. If God's called me to those three things, I can be good at all three of those things as long as I yield to the Holy Spirit in every one of those areas of my life. He used to be a finisher. Don't be a quitter. Be a finisher. So that when we stand before the Lord, He says, well, hey, listen, well, what's the second word? Done. That means you finished. Done means you completed the task. You finished the course. You've done what he told you to do. Hey, listen, what has God given you to do tonight? What has God assigned to you? What has God called you to do? And boy, sometimes I think Christians are not sure. They think that they're called to live their lives to themselves. But God's called all of us to make our lives a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable in God, which is our reasonable service. Hey, listen, not to be conformed to this world, to be transformed. But we might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Sometimes uh, our will is easily seen in our lives and the way that we live it, but is God's will easily seen in your life? We see a ministry, he's a fighter, he's a finisher. How about this? He's faithful. He's faithful. The Bible says here that in verse number seven, he's vigilant. He keeps the faith. Your duty before God is to handle the message with love and pass it along exactly as you receive it. God wants us to take what we've been given. Faithful men, which be able to teach others also. What do we teach? The same thing that we were committed. We teach the same message. 
We're repeating the message again and again and again. Hey, listen, I'm glad for those that repeated the message years ago, but we need some more people to repeat the message today. To say the same thing, the same way that God's Word says it, to keep saying the message. Hey, listen, times change and people change and the crowd change and the seasons change and our ministry changes, but God in His Word never changed. And He, he said to be instant in season. He's faithful. He's vigilant. We have no right to change the signs. Be faithful to the word of God. Not only is he vigilant, but he is victorious. Look at verse number 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto how many of them? All them also that love is appearing. We sang tonight, victory in Jesus. Sometimes we're not living like we have the victim. We talk about that we serve a risen Savior, but sometimes we act like we've got a dead God. Uh, we, we talk about how wonderful the Word of God is, but sometimes we live like we've never read it. We talk about the gospel and that it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believe it. Well, when's the last time you shared it? See, listen, belief always affects behavior. And when we truly believe something, it will change us. It will change the way we act. It will change the way we walk. It will change the way that we talk. And we need to get beyond the intellectual knowledge of God and get into an intimate relationship with a God who loves us. It's one thing to know that God loves you. It's another thing to understand the love of God and to know the person of God. He's vigilant. He's victorious. One day the last sermon will have been preached and the last battle will be fought. And that day, if you've been God's man, he'll reward you openly for all that you've endured secretly. He'll give you a crown that you can in turn lay at his feet. The truth is, is that all of our lives are for the end result of rewards that we will eventually lay at Jesus' feet because he is the only one worthy of the reward. He's the only one worthy of the sacrament. Come on. Tonight, are you with me? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Listen, uh, we said this morning that uh, the, the, the gospel, the, the Christian life is not a matter of convenience at all. It's a matter of commitment because it's a relationship. Relationships are anything but convenient. As a matter of fact, they change our whole makeup of our lives. If, if you've been recently married, you understand that. And after you have been married for years, you understand that more and more. Boy, commitment is what relationships are all about. People want God to be convenient to them. They want church services to be convenient. They want everything to be convenient. We live in a convenient age, but I tell you, convenience has not delivered to us what we know. Convenience is anything but convenient for the men that sacrificed and gave and served and and, and gave of themselves and, and preached the word and were faithful to God. It wasn't about convenience. It was about a commitment that they made to God. Hey, listen, our word should mean something. God has changed us. He's called us. He's put us into the ministry. He's the one that gets the glory, and none of us deserve any of it. The truth is tonight, none of us would even be usable if it were not for Christ. Our words would mean nothing. 
What gives weight to the preacher's word is if he preaches the word of God. That's what gives value to what we say. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.